Welcome to Mom's Life Made Simple, the podcast for moms who want to go from chaos to calm, from overwhelmed to organized, and to find balance between family responsibilities and personal growth. I'm your host, Chanel Nielsen. Let's make mom life simple. Hey guys, welcome to the Mom's Life Made Simple podcast. I'm so glad that you're here with me today. I am excited about today's topic. We're going to talk about three ways to train your brain. Now, the more you understand about how your mind works, the more that you can have some control over what goes on, which will help you control your mood. It will help you find more joy. It will help you do the things that you want to do and have the life that you want to have. So the three ways we're going to talk about today that you can train your brain are train your brain to stop being so distracted. Train your brain to help you get what you want and train your brain to find more joy. So I hope you are as excited about this episode as I am. There's so much good stuff in here. Now, before we get into the episode, I want to share the review of the week. This is titled Love, 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 and it's from Emily E. She says, always great insight from this podcast. Emily E., thank you so much. I appreciate it. And if you guys haven't yet, Um, please go leave a review. It helps me so much and I really appreciate it. Um, I'm going to briefly, in case you don't know how to leave a review, here's what you do. You're going to pause the show. You're going to search for the show in Apple Podcasts, which is where most of you listen. Um, You're going to go and search for it. Then once you get to the main show page, you scroll down past the few latest episodes and you'll see a few it'll be five stars you click the five stars and it'll say write a review and you just put in your thoughts on the show and uh good things will come your way as you do that service for me because that's how it works right we put good out into the world and good comes back to us so thank you for taking the time to do that let's jump in and talk about training your brain So number one way to train your brain is train your brain to stop being so distracted. So we live in a distraction age. We are, as a culture, as a society, we are so distracted. And if you find it hard to concentrate or to get things done that, you know, are processes that you have many steps to or things that are boring on your to-do list, then this is going to help you. So You've probably heard of dopamine. Dopamine is a chemical in our brain that makes us desire things. It's often described as the reward pathway, and it definitely has something to do with reward. But even more, it's not just something in our brains that we get when we get a reward. It's the thing that helps us anticipate the reward. It's the thing that makes us want to do the thing. It's what gives us cravings and desires and all those things. And so when we have that dopamine in our brain, we want to go and do whatever our brain is calling us to do. So I'm going to give you an example of this. Let's say um, you really like chocolate chip cookies. If you just sit here for a minute and you start thinking about chocolate chip cookies, or if someone's baking in your house and you smell chocolate chip cookies, or if you're the one making the chocolate chip cookies and you haven't even put in all the ingredients yet, but you're just mixing up the cookie dough, 
those things can increase dopamine in your brain because they're telling your brain, oh yeah, cookies are coming. And that starts off the process. And so that's going to increase the dopamine, get you ready for this anticipated reward. So then when you actually eat the cookies, you get another hit of dopamine. And that kind of perpetuates this cycle because you know that it's something pleasurable. It's something you enjoy. You like the cookies. They're good. That gives you more dopamine. And then next time you're like, oh, I, I like that. My brain liked that. I want to do that again. And so it's this cycle of increased dopamine making you want to do the thing. And then once you do the thing, you also get a hip, hit of dopamine and it makes you want to do it again. Now, interestingly, what happens if you make a batch of cookies, you get this dopamine, you're all excited to have these cookies, but you go in the other room and do something else and your kids get the cookies out of the oven. They're older kids. Don't worry, it was safe. And uh, they get the cookies out of the oven and they eat them all before you get back. You already had that dopamine telling you like, oh, this is going to be so great to eat the cookies. But when you don't get the cookies, what might happen is your dopamine might get really low because you didn't fulfill that second part, right? You didn't get that reward. And that's going to make your really affect your mood. You might be in a bad mood. You might be grumpy. You might just be really down. It might really affect you. If you've ever had this, this actual literal situation happen, maybe you've thought to yourself, like, why am I overreacting? It's not that big of a deal. It was some cookies. Well, it might just be that you had this response going on in your mind, that your brain was very excited for this thing to happen. It released dopamine. It was ready for this craving to be fulfilled, and then it wasn't. So it brought your dopamine very low. Another thing that might happen is your brain might send you more craving um, to set, send in more of that dopamine to say, hey, let's get more. Like, we're going to keep sending you these craving signals until you fulfill this craving. You've probably had that happen, too, where you're thinking of something, and you want it, and you want it, and, like, it has to happen. Um, so it's really interesting to know how our brain functions in that way. There was an experiment done by researchers with rats. And what they did is they stimulated the reward center in the rats' brains every time the rats pulled a lever. And what happened was they would pull this lever and this part of the brain, the reward center, the dopamine, would light up. They would get a little shot of dopamine. and they enjoyed that so much that they just sat and pulled the lever and pulled the lever and pulled the lever. They didn't eat. They didn't sleep. They didn't do anything else until they finally just collapsed from exhaustion. That was all they wanted to do. So the researchers were like, okay, that was interesting. Let's flip this. Let's see what happens if we block the release of dopamine. So instead of activating that in their brain, they're going to make it so they can't feel any dopamine. Well, the rats just laid there. They didn't do anything. They had no motivation to eat, to walk around, to sleep. They just like bleh, laid there, did nothing. Um, if the researchers put food in their mouth, they would eat it. It's not like they weren't hungry. They were hungry, but they didn't even have the motivation to walk over to their food bowl. That's how the lack of dopamine affected them. 
So dopamine is not a bad thing. You can see from that example, we need levels of dopamine. It's important because it helps motivate us to do things. But here's the thing. Our bodies like a constant level of things, right? We like to have our blood sugar in between a certain range. Our bodies like us to have a certain temperature range that, that is right for our bodies. Um, all, all the functioning of our body stays within a certain range. Well, dopamine is no different. Our body has a certain expectation of dopamine, but we live in a very high dopamine environment. We get dopamine when we are watching TV with lots of action and lots of exciting things happening on the screen. Now, let me just pause here and say anything with a reward, any activity with a re reward is going to give us some dopamine but we get higher levels of dopamine from things that are exciting. And the highest levels of dopamine come from things that give us a random reward. So you can probably think of things in your everyday life that have a random reward. For example, social media. Are, do you know when you're going to get a, a notification on your social media or when someone's going to reply to or like your post? You don't know. So what happens is we check our phone. Will I get it? Did I get it? Did I get a new email? What's going to happen now? We're looking. We're constantly looking. And that is why we're picking up our phones so often. We're looking for that hit of dopamine. So why does this matter? And how is knowing about all this going to help us be less distracted? Well, if we set our dopamine thermostat, I'm going to call it, to a high level, if we are used to picking up our phone 100 times a day and checking to see what's going on, if all of our activities are flashing lights and super exciting and junk food and high dopamine activities, then our brain is going to function at a level where it needs high dopamine. Our brains are going to expect and look for that level of high dopamine. Now, I'm going to give an example from my own life because sometimes I see this happening. If I have been on the computer or on my phone or whatever a lot during the day, and then I sit down to read a book that's like an educational book, a nonfiction book. I'm just sitting down to read and to learn something. I'll read a paragraph or two, and then I'm like, mm, where's my phone? Um, I'll read a little bit, and then I'll kind of like get distracted. Do I need to go check Facebook? I can't sit there and focus as well because I'm hyped up. I'm looking for that dopamine. I'm I have a hard time settling in and and reading. That's just one example for me. You can probably think of examples for yourself of a similar thing where it's really hard to stay focused or to do the work that needs to be done. Maybe it's hard to get motivated, like in the example I gave with the rats, and you just like, uh, I my your dopamine gets so low from being so high, right? You're used to this high, and when it doesn't. Um, your dopamine levels don't reach that expected high level. You just get really low, like when there's no cookies. Um, okay, so if we want to be less distracted, then it starts with training our brain to require less dopamine. So we have to allow ourselves to be bored. We have to let our brains have time off and time out. And I see so often, and I know you see it too, we're not doing that as a society. 
Look around next time you're in line. I was recently at an amusement park and you look around in the line and people are almost all on their phone. People are just standing there looking at their phones and sometimes so am I. Um, I am not, I'm definitely not immune from this. When you're driving in your car and you get to a stoplight, look around at, at the other people parked next to you. They are on their phones. I noticed myself, I was watching a YouTube video, and it was kind of slow. It was a, an educational YouTube video. It was talking about dopamine. And do you know what I did? I pulled up another window to check something while I was listening, half listening to this boring video. I was looking for that hit of dopamine because this video I was watching was just a little slow, a little educational. And so I wanted that pick me up, that little hit of dopamine from something else on my computer. The less that we can do those things, the less that we can fill every moment and embrace boredom, the more we're going to bring our dopamine requirements down to a level that is more sustainable, that allows us to get things done, and that really trains our brains to stop being so distracted. We are training our brain when we're constantly looking for that hit of dopamine. We're training our brain to get more and get more. We want to do the opposite. Train your brain to be bored sometimes. Let your mind slow down, sit there and do nothing and see how long it takes you before you're looking for your phone or you're looking for junk food or you're looking for that next little bit of um, pick me up. But the more you can sit with that, the more that you are going to bring your levels down and get to where you need to be so that you can stop being distracted. So uh, that is number one. Train your brain to stop being so distracted. Number two, train your brain to get what you want. Now we're going to shift gears here a little bit and talk about, of all things, we're going to talk about faith. Now train your brain to get what you want. How does that lead into faith? Well, first, what is faith? Uh, Faith is really believing in Jesus Christ. That is who my faith is in and believing in his power to do things in my life. Now. I said train your brain to get what you want. I believe that the desires that we have come from him, that we can uh, get the things that we want by believing in him, by trusting in him and trusting in his plan for our life. So when we're talking about faith, I'm talking about, yes, the kind of that we hear, you know, faith in the future, but faith that our future comes through the Savior. So I'm going to read a quote. This is from a talk by President Russell M. Nelson, and he said this, Faith in Jesus Christ is the foundation of all belief and the conduit of divine power. Everything good in life, every potential blessing of eternal significance, begins with, a, with faith. It is our faith that unlocks the power of God in our lives. Only your unbelief will keep God from blessing you with miracles to move the mountains in your life. So I'm going to highlight three points that he made there. First, faith is actual power to do things in your life. Okay? Faith is power. Faith makes things happen. Second, everything you want begins with faith. Now, I think sometimes people of faith make a distinction like, okay, well, Of course, he'll help me repent and he'll help me do churchy things. 
But everything you want begins with faith. That means if you want to bake a cake, you have faith that all the ingredients will come together and make a cake. If you want to start a business or a podcast, or if you want to write a book, or if you want to um, run a marathon, all those things that you want to accomplish actually begin with faith. They begin with the belief that you can do it and that he will give you the power to be able to do those things in your life. The other part that I sometimes think we don't think of, because sometimes there's this disconnect, like, yeah, he'll help me with churchy things. Everything is churchy things. Everything is spiritual. All those desires, all those things that we want to do come from him. So will he give us power to do things that involve making money? Yeah. If, if that's what he wants us to do, absolutely. Everything that you want begins with faith. Okay, last point from this quote. What's keeping you from what you want? President Nelson says this, only your unbelief will keep God from blessing you with miracles to move the mountains in your life. Only your unbelief. That is the only thing standing in your way. So how do we train our minds to get rid of that unbelief? We have to train our brain to be full of faith. So imagine that you felt this desire to earn a million dollars next year. And you want that. Like there's something in you that just really wants that. As you start to think about it, what comes up? Often it's doubt. Could I really do that? Or fear? Like, is this even a good thing? Would that even be a good idea? I don't know. I don't know if I can do this. When you have those doubtful and fearful thoughts come up, what do you do with them? Do you engage with them? Do you start going down that path of like, yeah, I I probably shouldn't want that. That probably isn't even a good thing for me to want. And you start talking yourself out of all the reasons, you know, uh, that you should have this thing. Or do you get rid of those thoughts? When those doubtful and fearful thoughts come up, do you say, get the hence, like, no, I have this desire. This is the thing I need to do. And so those thoughts that are coming up, no, I already know. I've already been told what my mission is. So I don't need to hear those doubtful and fearful thoughts. Another way to think of this is what are your brain pathways? Our brains make connections And the more that we travel down certain roads in our mind, um, it's a process, I may say this wrong, it's a process of, it's called myelination. And basically, the way that I understand that in my um, non-medical background is that these pathways in our brains just basically become deeper and smoother and easier to travel. And so if your doubt pathways become myelinated, become Just, you know, you've got the gardeners out there clearing that doubt pathway every day and it becomes the easiest path for you to go down. As soon as you start thinking of this dream or this desire, you just go down that doubt pathway. It's all ready for you to go. It's been plowed. It's been cleared. Um, Is that the brain pathway that you are taking? I hope that makes sense. What we need to do instead is let the weeds grow in that doubt pathway and clear the path of faith so that when those doubt thoughts come up, we don't even go down that path. We don't engage with that doubt. We say, no, I am training my mind to be a person of faith. 
I am training myself to stay on this faith pathway to keep on believing. Now, on the pathway of faith, when you're believing that these good things are coming your way or that these obstacles are going to be cleared or that you're going to get that thing that you desire, um, that thing that you want, that thing that you're praying for, do you, when things are not going your way, are you able to stay on that pathway of faith? This is called a trial of faith, right? As we're going down and we want this mountain to be moved or we want this thing to happen and things aren't going easy, do you train your brain to keep believing? Or do you come up against this obstacle, this mountain, this hard thing and say, you know what? This is too much. I'm going to go get on that fear pathway. I'm going to go over here to the doubt pathway. Or do you stay on the pathway of faith? So faith is confidence and trust in Jesus Christ. If you have faith in him, then do you trust that he wants what's best for you? One of the most powerful things, profound things that I've learned, and let me back up a little and say, I hear often people of faith say they're almost afraid to want things. They say, oh, I want this if it's God's will. And there's almost this fear of like, I probably shouldn't. I probably shouldn't quite say what I want. I think that instead the shift, and this has been a powerful learning for me, the shift is to say, I want this and I trust that God is going to give this to me or something better. He wants this for me or maybe he has something better planned. And either way, it's going to lead to what I want because ultimately I want what he wants for my life. I trust his plan, but I have faith that he is going to give me this thing or show me a better way. And that to me feels a lot more faith filled than just like if he wants me to have it, because if he wants me to have it doesn't require as much faith. It doesn't require staying on the faith pathway. It's almost an excuse. Sometimes it can be right for doubt. It allows us to live in that doubt pathway. So number two, train your brain to get what you want through staying in faith. Okay, number three is train your brain to see joy. Now, as I was thinking of how to teach this and how to explain it, I thought, okay, I need a definition. What is joy? How do you define joy? The definition um, in the dictionary says a feeling of great pleasure and happiness. And I did not like that definition because joy is, to me, it's more than happiness. It's bigger. It's deeper. It's, um, you know, it, it's a lot more powerful than just happiness. So I found a definition. This is from Compassion.com. And it's really, I'll just read it to you. It's kind of long, but this is so good. Joy is a little word. Happiness is a bigger word. Joy is in the heart. Happiness is on the face. Joy is of the soul. Happiness is of the moment. Joy transcends. Happiness reacts. Joy embraces peace and contentment, waiting to be discovered. Joy runs deep and overflows, while happiness hugs hello. Joy is a practice and a behavior. It's deliberate and intentional. Happiness comes and goes blithely along its way. Joy is profound and scriptural. Don't worry, rejoice. Happiness is a balm. Don't worry, be happy. Joy is an inner feeling. Happiness is an outward expression. 
Joy endures hardships and trials and connects with meaning and purpose. A person pursues happiness but chooses joy. Okay, I really like that definition, that understanding. I think that that encompasses what joy is. Joy is a way of living while happiness kind of comes and goes along with the other things that they brought out. So I've recently learned a tool to increase joy in your life. And I wanted to share this with you. This comes from Ann Ferguson, who is a mentor of mine. And she says, as you go throughout your day, now this is ideal if you can find this in the moment and you notice it while it's happening, but it might not happen. Uh, You know, you might not notice, but this can become something you do in your evening routine as part of your uh, journaling practice even. What was your moment of joy today? Look over your day or as you're going throughout your day, look for it. Okay, where is the joy? Where am I finding joy? I had a recent joyful moment with my son. Um, My five-year-old got really mad the other day. We were at my parents' house. We were playing a game, and we didn't play the game he wanted to play, and he just lost it. He was so upset, and so I took him outside, and I said, okay, I'm going to chase that angry bug right out of you, and I started to to run and chase him and he just ran he ran down the street around the block he just ran and I followed him and it was just waiting and actually even in that waiting while he was running I felt joy because it was a beautiful day I was outside and I thought you know what he's getting this out and he just needs to have this moment and I just felt a lot of joy even while he was running away from me Then he ran down the street and got where I couldn't even see him. And I turned the corner and then I saw him running toward me. And I put my arms out to give him a big hug. And I started to hurry and run toward him. And we ran toward each other and I picked him up and I just gave him this big hug. And he said, Mom, I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. And that was the sweetest moment of joy. And I'll tell you what, even in the retelling of it, I feel that joy. And I'll tell you why. Because in the moment, as I was following my son and as we were reconciling and he was giving me this big hug, I let myself feel that moment of joy and I breathed it in. So I took a deep breath. As we take deep breaths, we expand that feeling. We allow it to grow within us. And so I breathed in that joy. And I felt the joy of being in that moment. And I can recall it and bring it back to mind now because breathing it in allowed it to deepen and it made a deeper and more lasting impression. So what I want you to do is look for those moments or even think of a past moment that you've had recently and breathe it in. Let yourself feel it. Take a deep breath. Let that breath expand that feeling in your body. And try to get your body and your mind and everything within you, your soul as well, to feel what that joy feels like for you. And the more that you can feel what that joy is, the more you train your brain to look for it. You're training your brain saying, hey, I like this. I like to feel joy. I choose to feel joy. I want this feeling again. Help me figure out when I'm feeling joy. And so... 
Find those joyful moments every day and then expand them, breathe them in so you can feel what it feels like to live in joy. So a quick refresh of the three ways that we can train our brain. Number one, train your brain to stop being distracted. Number two, train your brain to help you get what you want. And number three, have more joy. Train your brain to have more joy. Now, my hope for you with this episode is that one of those really spoke to you and that you'll take action on one of those. And so what is it that you need to train your brain to do? There have been tips in each of those sections. If you need to, go back and re-listen and work on training your brain because as you do that, you will have more of what you want in your life. All right, if this episode was helpful to you in any way and you think it would be helpful for someone else, be sure to share it. If you do not already have my morning routine checklist, that is a great way for you to start your mornings right and to really get started in a very simple way with a morning routine. You can get that at chanelnielsen.com forward slash mornings. Links are in the show notes. Thank you for being here and we'll see you next week. Bye. Thanks for listening to Mom's Life Made Simple. Need some help making your mom life simple? I offer group coaching programs using my four-step method called the Mom's Method. This is a process of manifestation, organization, mobilization, and simplification that will give you the balance, progress, and joy you're looking for. Visit ChanelNielsen.com or find me on Instagram or Facebook at Chanel Nielsen Coaching. I love to hear from you. Reach out with your questions, your feedback, and let me know how I can help make your mom life simple.